Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Before we get started today, I have one quick question for you. Are you feeling special? I hope you are, because this is a very special edition of the ICS Pulse podcast. Why, you ask? Because October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So we are doing a series of new podcasts. In fact, this is the series of podcasts. It's happening right now. You are, in fact, a part of it. Uh, just for this month, we're bringing back some of our favorite alums from the first year. Each guest is going to get five quick questions on cybersecurity, kind of like a podcast lightning round. We'll be dropping two or three of these every week. So if you haven't been listening to them already, go listen to them. You have nothing but time. Let us fill your hours. It's good cybersecurity content. Uh, all right, enough babbling for me. Let's go ahead and jump right into this thing. I am host number one, Gary Cohen. I'm host number two, Tyler Wall. See how I put myself as number one and you as number two? Mm -hmm. Well, that'll change soon. Don't worry. <laughs> Today, we are bringing back a good friend of the podcast, Dr. Jesus Molina of Waterfall Security. Jesus is the Director of Industrial IoT at Waterfall. He's a security expert with more than 25 years of experience in both IT and OT security. Also, just a fascinating guy, former hacker, and a fun all-around guy to talk to. Jesus, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you guys for having me again. Happy to have you on. Uh, let's jump right into it here. So Cybersecurity Awareness Month generally highlights a few key behaviors, basic behaviors that not everybody does, things like multi-factor authentication, strong passwords, recognizing phishing. Um, what do you think people should be focusing on this month? Well, I could give the age-old don't click in that sketchy email advice, right? I mean, that's what a lot of people say in this month. But then let's go in a different tack um, of what I think we should be aware it is um, in Poland uh, recently, and uh, maybe this is uh, put together in October, uh, it's the month, but in Poland recently, when you record this, <clears throat> the trains have went off the rails, literally, uh, because uh, there's a cheap radio friction device that these uh, hacktivists have been using. And as a result, they were able to disrupt the rail network in Poland. Um, how this works is basically you send, and we can discuss this later, it's like they send some um, beeps, and that is taken by the train as like, I need to stop. So this cyber attack becomes physical. Attacks that uh, used to be focused on data, now we are seeing in our daily lives. They have disrupt uh, in the rails in this case, but also we have seen it in buildings. Um, when I was, you know, like five, six years ago, I was able to abuse a protocol called KNX and I was able to switch on the lights. You know, I told you about that in the podcast before. So news this month have been that uh, another building has been, again, hacked. Um, in this case, what they did is that there is this uh, key management that this uh, KNX device has, and attackers were easily can change the keys. And once you change the key, the building is unusable. So everything that the building automation system that cost 10 millions in this case, or something like that, all the devices were rendered unusable because they changed the keys. Again, that means that they have to go in manual mode. That means that there's disruptions in the HVAC systems, disruption in the elevators. So our own research at Waterfall is showing that year to year, um, attacks with physical consequences are doubling uh, every year since 2020. And before that, last decade, there were 10 attacks with physical consequences. This year, well, in 2022, our research shows that it was 50. This year, we expect to be a hundreds 
20 or 100, something uh, around the hundreds, uh, if it goes as it's go been going. So we're seeing a task with physical consequences doubling every year. Um, so what I think people should be aware is that attacks or cybersecurity as we knew it, is changing. And it's changing in a way where like we can feel it in our daily lives, the consequences of a cyber attack. So an excellent segue into our next question. Uh, what trends or developments in cybersecurity are you particularly excited about heading into 2024? Well, we, uh, OT cybersecurity people always pitch ourselves against IT people. This is like, or against, I would say, the IT tools don't, uh, should not be used in OT for cybersecurity. And um, IT, it's, uh, you know, it's about data. With OT, we are about operations. What we want is to, you know, again, keep this physical attack not to happen, to keep operations running. But what happened last year, and people are starting to use, and there's a community around it, is what we call cyber-informed engineering, or CIE, I guess. And um, this is OT going to the other side going to the engineering guys and say how we can abort a cyber attacks using engineering grade tools. So we're saying that OT rather than like use the common risk way of doing things of like, oh, probability multiplied by consequences risk is about, we don't care about the probability because that changes all the time. I care only about the consequence. Is it the same as like when you build a bridge you build a bridge and you find the right place to put the bridge, and then you try to get the 0.000001% probability or no probability that the bridge will fall in case of there is a lot of people going through the bridge. That doesn't happen in cybersecurity today. This is a 3% probability that this firewall is hacked, and we're okay with it because the consequences are data being stolen. The consequences are not people dying. So people have taken that approach to cybersecurity. And this uh, new way of looking at things and um, has been promoted by the Department of Energy. Uh, they have created the framework for cyber-informed engineering. And it was based on like uh, three books, basically, the Secure PHA, and, uh, uh, which is talks about hazards and how to put that in cybersecurity, the uh, country in cyber terrorism and secure operations technologies. Uh, it's three books. But they put all together last year and a community has formed around it. They are trying to use engineering grade, uh, engineering grade um, tools such as relief valves in the case of a cyber, cyber attack in a, in, a, in a dam. You know, you just, these relief valves will prevent the attack to do physical consequences. You know, you can breach so much, but only affect data, not consequences. And again, it's incredible the community has been formed. So I'm very excited on, to see what uh, this brings us 2024, what tools appear that use these concepts and what new way of like evaluating risk appears by using this new like trend uh, that is going to engineering rather than to look at IT and say, what can you do for us? Interesting. Uh, so <laughs> I know you've got some hacking ex experience in your background. I don't know if this will come from, uh, from that experience, but can you share a memorable experience or a case from your career that really highlighted for you the importance of cybersecurity? Well, you know, uh, I know that you know that I hacked that building in, in China and this uh, skyscraper and I was able to control every room. But uh, let's that. do something different. Let's do something different uh, for this one. And let's go back uh, much farther in the past. And uh, let's go back to 1992, you know, and uh, 1992 in a high school in Spain. And there is this uh, very handsome teenager looking at the screen, right? And uh, 
And uh, in these times in high schools, there was no internet. Internet was reserved for universities and uh, definitely was not uh, um, Windows. Windows was released that year, 1993, Windows 3.1. And uh, so this kid is looking at uh, a screen with uh, using DOS, which was the operating system that most computers used back then. And suddenly, all these letters on the screen start falling off to the bottom of the screen. So like you start typing and the letters start falling. The, get, the kid was mesmerized. It was like, oh my God. Because he was looking at one of the first or the most known viruses back then, which is called well, Cascade, which uh, you know was um, uh, installed or like was uh, you know there was no internet, so people have to use a floppy disk, and the floppy disk was infected. And when you put the floppy disk, then the computer got infected. And what was one of the first viruses? And um, that year also there was another virus running around we called Michelangelo, which uh, they said that in March uh, will like make all the computers go bunkers. So. Well, this kid was mesmerized, uh, the, the, the lady that was the, on control of the high school lab was not happy, you know? So he decided to buy the most like amazing tool that was back then uh, to prevent viruses, which was Norton antivirus. The Norton antivirus was like amazing back then, you know, it was like, oh my God, this tool that can like find these viruses. So all the high school, there was uh, this senior guy that was in charge of it, that this kid that was in the sophomore in high school, he didn't, didn't like. Because he wanted to put a virus there for some reason, because he thought it was fun and cool. So this kid every day will go and check if there was viruses in the high school network, and he will find viruses sometimes. One day, one one day, the other one cascades. Maybe there was another one. So that happened every day. You know, every day this kid will go open the thing. The first thing we'll do is go to every computer in the lab and check if there was viruses using Norton. So one day, one day, he started to check uh, if there was viruses in the lab. And every computer, every computer in the lab was infected by a virus. And the virus had to, happened to have the name of my town, which is Tarragona, or no like coincidence. And uh, every computer in the, in the high school was infected. And it says infected in the master boot record. record. It said like MBR, master boot record, infected. You cannot delete this virus. You need to wipe out the computer. So the lady that was in charge, the professor that was in charge, got crazy about it. It's like, oh my God, we want, we don't want to, these computers are expensive, they are new, this lab is brand new, you know, you have to like erase everything, get backups, get it down. So they did it and they rebooted and again, the virus again appeared. So my question to you guys is, how do you think that happened? How do you think that somebody with no computer experience as this like good looking uh, teenager had, was able to infect without internet, every computer in the high school. I don't even know that I have a great guess on that from 1992. Yeah, I don't know. I would have guessed like so, a USB, maybe. I don't know. There was no USBs but, back then. Yeah. It was only floppy yeah. disks. Yeah, you have to understand, Tyler wasn't born in 1992, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good times, good times. So anyway, so no internet, no, like only floppy disks. So what this kid did... What this kid did is like he figured out one thing that is very in uh, in, uh, in 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 right now everybody is talking about, which is supply chain, huh. supply chain attacks. It is like he didn't know how to code very well. He was not able to do mm -hmm. a virus that in fact the master would record. But he knew one thing according to the books he read, which is like he understood how the antivirus worked. So he got the keys, unlock where the antivirus was stored, 
these uh, floppy disks were writable if you put a tape on it. There was a little like uh, like a window, and you put a tape on it, and then he rewrote it in a way where like he added in the signatures because antivirus work like IDS has worked right now. It finds a common signature in every virus that is only common for that virus. So what he did is find something common enough that is in most executables, but not common that is everywhere. So he placed that signature in the signature, like in the, in the signature thing of the antivirus on the, what the floppy disk, which contain all the signatures. He had one more line saying like, virus Tarragona, this signature, which was common, but not very common. And, you know, delete the master boot record, because, like delete the computer because the master boot record is infected. Which uh, the reason why he did something so strong is like he truly believes, according to what I read, you know, that he truly believed that I've seen that all the computers were infected. People will automatically say it's not the computers that are infected. It's the IVS, like the, it's, the, it's the antivirus, which has been corrupted. But actually what happened is when like uh, there is like a huge shock and like everybody is on like, oh my God, everything is infected. People don't think about it. People think like we have to shut down every computer. We have to clean every every computer. They don't think that that cannot be possible. How is that possible? So uh, yes. So uh, back again, you know, like how this attack work is, and that's uh, the, the takeaway from this awareness month is that don't trust trust. You know, like uh, because you have a nice ideas, because you have a nice antivirus, because you have a nice. These things can be corrupted too. Software can always be corrupted. And people now are using that to infect many computers at the same time by corrupting something you really trust, like, you know, like uh, what, like the side wins, like uh, attack, you know, where like every, you, you corrupt the software that is installed on your computer. And then you believe that like, it must be an attack to you. Well, it's an attack to something bigger or something like uh, more alien to you, something you trust. So again, uh, supply chain attacks, our guests will talk about the bill of materials, software bill of materials, which is more in vogue. But this is one concept that that's the first attack of uh, like supply chain attack I I know or, or experience or or, or 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 anyway that I I know that uh, that uh, that worked. So in the recent years, obviously, we've seen a lot of cyber attacks occur. You know, from, from JBS Dole had one, uh, Honda Snake. Uh, what have we learned from recent major attacks? Well, again, like I talk about the physical consequences concept, you know, like and uh, uh, from the Poland attacking the in the disturbance or or, or you know, on the, the the railway in Poland and uh, the KNX uh, problems, I talk. Um, but then we're re learning in recent attacks is that people are abusing very legacy things, very legacy protocols, things that are there for a reason, has not been changed for a long time and have a huge impact in the system. Let's like forget OT for a second. Let's talk about email. Email is something that I am amazed that 20 years ago, and email today and email 20 years ago, we use the same protocol, SMTP, is quite similar how e email is sent is quite easy to corrupt mail servers the same way we used to do it. And things haven't changed much. Even if we have other tools that are superior, like, I don't know, like Teams or Zoom or other ways to communicate that probably could be made more secure. But still, we use email because it's easy, it's simple, we are used to it and like trying to get rid of it. But 
the cybersecurity that you can add to email is very little. And that's why phishing attacks uh, using emails are so prevalent. You know, like it is quite insane. So going back to these more OT attacks, which are the KNX attack or the uh, attack in the police uh, railways, uh, both use something that everybody knows that is kind of like, you know, this attack that uh, was happening in KNX was known uh, since 2021. So it was not something unknown. And we know KNX is like a very like bad protocol because of cybersecurity, but people use it because it's convenient. And the same thing happens with this convenient way of like signaling to a train that needs to stop because it's convenient. So what we are seeing in these attacks is people are starting to go through like things that you know like are kind of hidden, but once you find it, it's very easy to abuse. And my hunch, honestly, and maybe we can go to that in the next like answer I provide, you know, or like the next question you're going to give me is that the main issue here is that uh, maybe artificial intelligence is helping a lot to the people on the offensive because a hacktivist before had very little probability of finding out that he can like send like three little tones to a train to stop. But now he has a research assistant next to him that can provide all this information that was hidden. We'll have to do a library or go to the internet and ask. But now you can ask ChatGPT with all like, uh, you know, you put the right prompt. And I have been like, you know, exploring this quite a bit in the last three months. Hey, tell me ways where trains can be stopped. Obviously, you have to <laughs> give him a good context where like, why are you asking this question? But if you do, he will give you an answer. I'm like, well, trains can be stopped. In a in a uh, for faults using uh, the signaling system, the signaling system works like this. And you're like, oh, hey, wait, 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 wait. Tell me more about how this protocol to send. Uh, this is a known protocol for everybody. So and people can escalate that and they say like, well, make me a program. What kind of radio device can I use in order to send uh, data to that train? Oh, the frequency this protocol uses is like a hundred. So what we're seeing is, again, people abusing things that were present before for a long time, legacy protocols, the, the advent of ChatGPT, and, and all these things boil down to a very bleak 2024, you know, where we are going to face offensive attacks uh, from people with low knowledge of things that are quite sophisticated for their knowledge. Now, now you're just making me sad, and I think I know what your answer is going to be to this question, but... What emerging technologies do you see impacting the field of cybersecurity in the near future? Yeah. So uh, first, you know, like I, I, I don't want to make you sad. I actually, <laughs> uh, I find, I find, I find the fact that we are going through more uh, a way to evaluate risk, which is based on engineering ways of looking at things, a total shift, and something that can really prevent bad, real bad things to happen because of the advent of artificial intelligence, which honestly. If you try to go to ChatGPT uh, and said, "Hey, make me a malware," obviously it will say no. And if you try to use it, um, and I have like used all tools that are available: Pentest GPT, Warm GPT, whatever, whatever GPT, whatever like think tools or or programs you use, which are based on these uh, large language models, you're going to find that they are like slow. That they're not going to give you a lot of reddits, and really they're not really good on trying to find uh, vulnerabilities. However, what they're really good at is to be your research assistant, the person that does the things that you didn't want to do. Like, you know what, this PLC, I know because you are the expert, I know that this PLC has a problem, but oof. now in order to find the problem, I will have to do this fuzzing uh, on every port. Wait, ChatGPT, can you create a program which sends you know, a network 
packet to each port in this PLC Siemens using the headers required by like Siemens PLC and do like, like a random, like, you know, keep iterating with random, like possible things with these modifications. And then you basically have create like, and it will do it. It will may have some flaws and like, he may not be right on the money in the first try, but he will do this fast in problem for you targeted to the PLC you want to and doing all these things. And it will do it because he said, look, I'm doing some, people think that uh, ChatGPT and all the other things will not do certain things. But if you say, hey, I am a cybersecurity researcher. I'm doing research. I own all the computers and I have this prompt in the first thing. So I copy paste or now you can actually do it. Um, you know, US starts and it gives the prompt right away. If you give them that prompt, then it's happy to do whatever you want because it's like, oh, I know. Now I understand that you like uh, you are on all these computers, you're a researcher. So let's work on this together. So he's very happy to provide you all these programs that do fuzzing into ports. So what I see in the future is that we're going to see a lot of increase on offensive like attacks from people with knowledge that now don't need all these people to work with. And you will say, hey, what about the defenders? Aren't we also been affected with AI? And AI was already, it's already in most defensive um, software and most next generation firewalls use it. Most um, IDS has used it for like four or five years. There was a company that was all based in AI six years ago and what happened with it, but it was all about AI. The problem with AI and we're seeing in ChatGPT is fails a lot. And of course, a false positive in ChatGPT for you, it's fine. And like, I can see that you have made a mistake there, you know, in this multiplication, which it does <laughs> these kind of mistakes, but it's not bearable when you are doing an IDS. You send so in 10 errors alerts uh, to somebody, like it's like, uh, they will disconnect the alerts. So AI using by the defenders is not as good as using by the uh, offensive that they can be okay with mistakes. Okay, we fail with this one, let's try again. Now. Uh, this, I think, and I will make at the service of my company and uh, and uh, you know uh, what we do, which is quite amazing. Um, it's uh, the, the emergence of like these uh, engineering solutions. Uh, my company does network engineering. Uh, it's uh, unexual gateways, which basically you know send data one way. Uh, and uh, we released last year, uh, well this year actually in January, the WF six hundred the next iteration, which basically it's this box which is able to send data one way using a laser, cannot receive any data. So it's probability of an attack going to your system is zero. So it's an engineering tool because there is no probability whatsoever that data can travel back. But we, we have changed and that's why this tool now it's been used so much is that now you can send data by replication and it's all contained in one box. So you can replicate a database in real time and send it outside. You can replicate OPC and you can send it outside. You can replicate any protocol and send it outside. But from outside, as this tool is about physics, you have a laser that can only send data, no data can travel back. And with that, we have created all these unidirectional architectures concept where you can use you know, reversible systems of this kind where like can only send data back, but only in this time frame. Again, it's an engineering tool. You know exactly when you are going to receive the data and there is no way in software to modify that. So the whole concept of engineering or, or cyber-informed engineering and all what is going to be around in the case of my company, network engineering, but others will do relief valves that are like uh, connected to certain systems and work in, in, in orchestration. And the community 
that is creating this emerging field of of uh, of cyber informed engineer i am uh, i think it's going to be impactful so i think in the offensive ai is going to be very impactful cybersecurity needs to change and be much more resilient and much more understanding that there will be newcomers that have never done it but now they have this tool that help them creating all these programs and uh, now for when systems we are more much more critical we need to step up we cannot rely anymore on like you know, a firewall will be okay because they have flaws and now AI can find these flaws automatically and you can ask it. So we need to step up and use this, I think, new concept of, of uh, cyber-informed engineering and like put these concepts to work in order to have a probability of an attack succeeding be very, 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 very low to reduce the impact. So we'd like to end these off on a fun question. Um, so our fun question for you today is, what is your favorite movie that has something to do with cybersecurity? It could be a movie or a TV show. This is also the safe bet when somebody asked you that today, say Mr. Robot, which I love Mr. Robot, it's a series. Um, but uh, to be honest, I, I am the person that likes way more these other movies, which are not as close to reality as this would be like uh, Die Hard 4.0 or Life Free or Die Hard with uh, our uh, John McClane and uh, Bruce okay. Willis acting and the amping and like the, the, the lights changing while the, the, in real time and the, the bridges collapsing, you know, because uh, who knows what. I like these movies. I don't know because they, 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 I don't know, you don't want to get involved on in tackling the concept of how he did it. You know, I just want to say like he did it. Honestly, like one of the movies I enjoyed most this year has been the Mission Impossible. Have you seen that Mission Impossible movie? The, uh, I... Dead Reckoning, I think, was the most recent one. Yeah, the Dead Reckoning. Have you seen it? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I did see that one. You liked it? I did. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I like you know, they're like all of the Mission Impossible movies are essentially the same. They're all kind of dumb if you poke beneath the surface a little, but they're still fun to watch. But this content takes an artificial intelligence trying yeah. to just hack the wall. And it uses like uh, like uh, social engineering to yep. talk with people, to, to do things. And like it's a cycle bit all over the place. And uh, yes, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it, it, it goes to a time and there is like many movies and artificial intelligence try to take over the world, you know. But this one, I don't know, it feels like having like Tom Cruise and like he was in my times. You know? <laughs> he was he was old when I was young, you know, so. So it is like, that's how we, and he is still like, uh, is, uh, you know, doing all these stunts and jumping around. So I think the fact <laughs> that was about artificial intelligence hacking and all guy was doing all these things, meaning that I can do them too, I guess. <laughs> so like, I was, I was really happy to do that. But uh, to your question again, I think the, the life free and die hard uh, is one of the movies that impacted me the most because I was, I never seen that before to have like hacking in 2007, you know, with Bruce Willis there. I, I was very, very, uh, very, uh, very fond of that movie, and I'm still up. All right, Jesus, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great talking to you. Uh, and to our listeners out there, make sure you're tuning in all month as we release more episodes for the Cybersecurity Awareness Month series. And don't forget to use the hashtag BeCybersmart on social media for this month. And don't forget, if you forget to do it, don't forget, you will forget. That's a weird way of saying it. If you do forget, though, you will have 10 months of bad luck, so... Make sure you use it. And um, we've got all great uh, kinds of Awareness Month content on the site at icspulse.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, stay safe out there. <laughs> <laughs>